Welcome to the Codifier podcast. Codifier is a podcast about emerging trends and technologies with the aim to create bite-sized entertaining content for everyone from software developers to sales gurus to even your parents so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. Thanks for listening, and I'm your host, Steve Jaguer, and today's topic is ransomware. I love the sound of ransomware. It's kind of scary. It's like anything that starts with the phrase cyber. It kind of it kind of gets my it gets me it gets me excited. I'm not going to go down that road. Okay, ransomware has been a pretty hot topic in 2016. It's been it's been in the news and for good reason. I mean, it's very well marketed, isn't it? Some of the older ransomware brands back in 2016 had really cool names like Server and Crypto Mix, Crisis, Jigsaw. Yeah, it's a little bit Mortal Kombat. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, some of the more modern ones, they had they had you know maybe not as cool names, but still very threatening. Crypto Locker, Crypto Wall, Locky, uh, Not Petya, and of course its counterpart Petya, um, Goldeneye bit of a bond thing going on there. And uh, Wanna Cry, of course, which hit the UK pretty hard. Now I'm going to focus on that pretty heavily in this podcast. And of course, the most recent one that I've been hearing a lot about and reading is Bad Rabbit. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, uh, shortly, That but that's been hitting Russia pretty hard. So what I'm going to do now is just take a step back, much like I did in the last podcast, and talk about what ransomware is. And for you techno geeks out there who already know the basics of it, feel free to skip ahead a few seconds. For those of you who are looking for a nice definition, stay tuned. Ransomware is malware. Hey, I'm sure you're not completely blown away by that fact. Specifically, it's a type of malicious crypto virology software. That's a cool word. That threatens to either publish your data or perpetually block access to it until you pay a ransom. That ransom is typically Bitcoin. Now, crypto virology, cool word, fairly straightforward definition though. Virology meaning it uses the mechanisms of typical virus software for self-propagation and even uh, some really actually quite clever new mechanisms that I, I'm going to touch upon later when I'm talking about WannaCry. Uh, crypto being short for cryptography, which is simply an algorithm for encrypting or garbling your data until you can't read it. It's nonsense. And you need to pay that money to get the decryptor to decrypt that data. So midway through the year, uh, 2017, a particular strain of ransomware really made the news here in the UK, and that was WannaCry, primarily because it affected and essentially crippled our National Health Service. Now, I spoke at the beginning of this about the clever names uh, for ransomware, and WannaCry does not fall into the category of cool. It sounds... It sounds like what you'd do if you got affected by ransomware. You'd go, I'm going to cry. But that's not actually what it's, why it's called that. It's essentially called that because of the scary red screen that comes up, which has the name of the encryptor program or decryptor program called the WANA Decryptor. Of course, the O in decryptor is actually a zero. Uh, the malicious hacker types really love to substitute their letters for numbers still, even still today. Yes, they still keep doing that. So the WANA only has one N, but artistic license when naming these is great for the media. Okay, so boring definitions and marketing talk aside... Let's get into the stages of ransomware. Uh, they have been defined by several books on ransomware online as installation, uh, deployment, 
command and control, finally extortion and or destruction. Now it's the installation and deployment that is really the embarrassing part of this story for many of us. And the reason for this is many of the mechanisms are quite simple. Uh, spam, email, and phishing to be the primary candidates there. It's safe to assume these days, however, that ransomware creators have an extremely high level of social engineering expertise. So there's kind of almost no shame in getting caught out these days. They're becoming very clever in how they can craft an email to look like something we want to open or links or files we want to engage with. Common examples would be things saying, click here to track your parcel. I swear I saw one of these today get through our corporate email. And things that attach an invoice, an invoice that comes from a company that someone you might be dealing with and it can look very legitimate. Seriously though, this time of year where we're approaching Christmas, do watch out for those, uh, those fake UPS or DHL notifications because they tend to ramp up this time of year as we approach Christmas. Everyone loves Christmas because people might be sending you stuff. The final mechanism I would like to mention is something I personally ran into recently, uh, which tends to fall more into the fishing boat. Fishing boat? See what I did there? Nothing? Okay. Uh, that is a homograph type squatting attack. So this is where a, an attacker creates a whole or part duplicate of a, a popular known website, but registers a lookalike URL using an IDN or like an international domain. Essentially, what they do is they take a character from another international alphabet, let's pick on Cyrillic for example, which looks like the English version, but it isn't. It has a different ASCII code for it and therefore is a different domain as far as the internet's concerned. Uh, the recent example I saw for this was asda.com and if you don't know asda asda is a supermarket owned by walmart in the uk and they sent out a phishing campaign essentially i believe it was spread via whatsapp where the asda the d in asda was using a different different international character but at a glance particularly on your phone it looks exactly like asda so i uh, personally i saw that being spread recently, even a few people who are well-educated friends got caught out by it. So watch out for those. They're, they're, there's a good example. If you'd like to see a really good example, you can go to the codifier.com website and look up the What is Ransomware blog, and you can see I've posted the two versions of as to the correct way and as to the way it was written in this phishing campaign. So you can see how close it is. But yes, that that goes to a malicious site, so uh, don't 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 go to that site if you if you see it on our blog. Now, some of the older styles of emails, you in Telltale Signs, you might remember an email that comes to you that's addressed to a, you know, a company instead of a person or from a company. Um, addresses you by your first name as Mister Steve. That's bad spelling mistakes. It's from a prince in Nigeria. We're hopefully not still falling for that one. And if you hover over a link that looks legit. Make sure it doesn't actually link to, say, uh, HSBC, superlegitbanking.co.awesome. Now, a final thing about links is that almost all links now tend to be HTTPS, not just HTTP. So watch out for that as well. If it's linking you to something that isn't secure, uh, it's probably not a legit click. So stay away from that. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, 
I can tell you I don't have Bitcoin, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. If you're looking for answer, if you're looking for answer, if you're looking for answer, Bitcoin. Very particular set of scary, particular set of scary, particular set of skill. Bitcoin. Ransom, 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 ransom. Should make that downloadable on our website. Anyway, we have a website, codifier.com. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash codifier. And as you can imagine, the Twitter handle is codifier. If you've got any suggestions for new episodes, the technologies you'd like me to break down in 20 minutes, yeah, fire those off to us, codifier at gmail.com. This is episode two ransomware. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. So we've talked about what ransomware is, some of the clever marketing and how it tries to deploy itself. And if you actually want to see some really good examples of that, and you have a Gmail or a Yahoo account, just have a quick surf through your spam folder, but don't click anything for goodness sake. I mean, don't even, if you're unsure, don't even go there. Strap a life jacket on, wrap some tinfoil around your head, get a millennial within shouting distance, and then go in. But really, though, to give credit uh, to Gmail and Yahoo and the other major email systems, they do do a fantastic job of finding and filtering out these kind of phishing emails because they have or are partnered with generally a very powerful global security network of some kind, identifying and mitigating these sort of risks behind the scenes way before they hit our inbox. So we're actually doing pretty well. The real major problem lies in corporate email networks, uh, many which unfortunately use outdated or non-existent malware detection software. Uh, Good examples of good ransomware or malware detection software would be Products or companies like Sophos or Silence or Proofpoint, there's dozens of others and they're all, they're all really good. And feel free to recommend those to, to your own corporate uh, IT departments. Uh, shameless plug, I have no sponsors for this podcast. So if Sophos, Silence or Proofpoint are listening, I did just give you a free plug there. All five listeners probably heard that. Well, now I've gone through some of the traditional email and fishy based ones, but that's not all. Um, there are other ways of deploying ransomware. Another one I'd like to mention is called a watering hole attack. In this instance, the malicious actors in the scene are, again, employing clever social engineering. I said they were good. And they work out commonly visited websites by the target organizations. So they're looking where you would go. They're not looking to infect you directly and then infect a website you go to that is a little perhaps less secure than your own company. And what they do is they hack this website, they install malware or ransomware into a page on that website, which is commonly visited, that is considered to be whitelisted. I'm making air quotes as I say whitelisted. What that means is your network security considers it to be a happy path, it's safe. I mean, this year there were this exact thing happened in the US where some ransomware infected the US National Wildfire Coordinating Group. And also it's rumored that the recent Bad Rabbit ransomware I mentioned earlier that I said I would mention again, it started via this sort of method. Now, the final mechanism I'd like to mention is just straight up clickbait. I mean, playing to our own curiosity. You've probably seen that headline that says, you'll gasp and you see this, or here's one weird trick to eliminate cellulite forever. Ha ha. Um, and and ideally, you're not still clicking on those sorts of things. But the problem we've got is that there are a lot of sites like BuzzFeed and HuffPost and even the BBC 
that create headlines that look like these. And we trust those sites. And that really waters down the malicious ones and makes them seem more legitimate. I mean, in fact, I had a similar occurrence recently at a Subway sub shop where they had a campaign, and I believe the URL was subwaybuyandfly.com. And that crosses over multiple categories of, of installation that I've mentioned in terms of where a URL that looks legit waters down ones that aren't, and also methods of creating similar sites that might draw you in. Uh, the mistake that I think Subway made there was that they've now created a precedent of custom URLs that say Subway something something dot com. And that opens the door for spammers or any kind of phishing to create Subway whatever. What would be the best is if you created Subway buy and fly because it even sounds exactly the same and scooped up a portion of the people who are going to the fly and buy because they couldn't quite remember that URL they saw in the shop. But anyway, I digress. So I'd like to talk a little bit very quickly about deployment. I've talked a lot about how the malware or ransomware can get into a computer. And a lot of perhaps older ransomware would really be relying on just scattergun email hope that enough people would be clicking on this malicious link and downloading or activating the, the, the ransomware locally. But it's gotten a lot more clever. If I focus on WannaCry specifically, its virology aspect was that it was it was taking advantage of a leaked NSA exploit um, in certain operating systems like Windows XP and Windows 7. And that was actually really clever. It's a really clever example of real hacking used to spread and deploy that through a network. And that's essentially what happened at the NHS. Uh, if you go again, if you go to the codifier.com blog, I include an article from Wired magazine that describes in enough detail how exactly that worked rather than go through it here. But now I'm not saying that human error wasn't afoot in the spread of that one in this instance, only that, that that's a different kind of human error if if you can allow something like that to spread in that fashion. I'll, I'll expand a little bit on that later when I'm talking about preventing ransomware. So let's say you've been infected. You've got some ransomware, you've downloaded it, Nothing doesn't look like anything's happening. Well, you can you can be fairly positive that silence is essential during an installation phase. If you're expecting a pop-up asking you for options, you're going to be waiting. The installation will be silent. It will often establish a connection to a command and control center, and I'll I'll start talking about what the command and control phase entails shortly. It may even download multiple malicious programs, and those programs will have familiar titles like explorer.exe. They're not going to be called scary ransomware.exe. Let's just face it. They're going to try and hide in any and every way possible, often encrypting the packages that are being downloaded in a variety of ways. The reason they do this, of course, is to escape detection via whatever software you've got running on your local PC. It could be McAvee or it could be system integrity protection on a Mac, but they're getting more and more clever. Oddly enough, it, it does seem like that the techniques employed by those on the attack are still tending to stay one step ahead of us on the defense. So let's assume you've been infected. I've already alluded to the fact that it may be downloading malicious other programs. It's connected to a command and control center somewhere. And 
it's communicating. Now, what's it communicating? Well, more than likely, it's communicating a list of key files and personal information it can find on your PC to scary guys lurking in the cyber shadows. And it's most certainly looking at your computer to figure out what's worth encrypting. Now, it's pretty easy on PCs to, to tell by the extensions, but some ransomware is quite clever. Different flavors lock up different files. Some can, can encrypt your master boot record, which means your computer is completely effed. And others can encrypt Bitcoin wallets, which is odd because it seems kind of counterproductive to be locking up a Bitcoin wallet when it wants Bitcoin as ransom. Now, you're probably wondering how they give such great customer service and how they can communicate to a command and control center without getting caught. Now, the way they do this, one example at least, is using a publicly available service called Telegram, which is a secure messaging system to anonymize parties in a conversation. It keeps the whole thing encrypted and the whole thing private. And even though it's a public service, they can kind of get away with using that. That's just, that's, I believe that's how WannaCry did it. Now, let's say you, you're at the next phase, command and control is complete, details of your systems, encrypted files, all sorts of other personal data have been shipped off to goodness knows where, and the next phase kicks in. That's your extortion and or destruction phase. This is what the media loves. It's exciting. You'll get some kind of pop-up indicating that your computer is locked up. Different flavors of ransomware have different cool screens. Some stealing screens from that Amazon TV show, Mr. Robot. Some of them just being a little bit boring and red, but red seems to be a trend. Always scary is good, right? And they'll be asking for you to send some money to free up all of your, all of your files or potentially even your whole computer. Now, you may be wondering what to do now, and the reality is some, I don't know, stupider ransomware might just delete all your files anyway, kind of like a typical hostage situation. Maybe they'll just kill, it, kill off your files for kicks. Of course, the most likely scenario that I already mentioned is that they will have insanely good customer service, enabling you to pay that ransom better than, than commercial software. Now, of course, the reason being, if word gets out that WannaCry don't pay, nobody's going to pay the ransom. If it's easy, well, people like easy, don't they? If it's easy, people will just pay it to end the pain. But I think you need to remember that I mentioned earlier that during the command and control phase, it may download other malicious bits of software just in case. Uh, one of those that's very popular is a keylogger that grabs all of your logins and passwords and other things as you type about your day. Even if you pay the, the ransom and they unencrypt all of your files, you might think you're, you've done it, you're, it was annoying, but you're, you're, you're free. You might not be free. There might still be a keylogger communicating your details to that command and control center, so you might want to be careful about that. Paying the ransom might not be a complete answer. Now, you're probably wondering, what should you do if you are infected with ransomware? Well, the reality is, calm down and leave it to the professionals, I suppose. If you're in a corporate network, definitely let your embarrassed IT department know. They probably know before you do and let them handle it. As we, as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of anti-ransomware companies out there that are, that have quite advanced software that can actually decrypt a lot of the different strains of ransomware. So you might be good without having to pay any money or really worry. Of course, the best defense is really a good offense. So the best real defense, other than, as I mentioned, having a very good anti-ransomware or anti-malware software in place on your corporate network, is to just keep yourself up to date. I mean, that's what happened to the NHS. 
Their computers were meant to only be five years old, but a recent study showed that their their computers tended to be more like 12 years old, hence all of the Windows XP and Windows 7. And a lot of the exploits that we see being taken advantage of are simply because operating systems weren't as secure back then. And if they're if they're old or they're out of date, then there's a good chance that the baddies out there are going to find a way to take advantage of that. And that goes for phones too. Uh, I might do a whole podcast just about Android security, but I highly recommend keeping your phones up to date as well. So the big mechanisms of prevention are primarily awareness, and hopefully this podcast has helped with that. The alternative, of course, is keeping yourself up to date. And finally, that old chestnut backups. People have been backing stuff up since the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, when, when the 90s, when hard drives used to break in like six months. And now we've got solid state hard drives and we don't think we have to worry about backups. And yeah, you do. Like you should not care about your, your, your laptop. Cloud strategies, Google Drive, Dropbox, iDrive, Carbonite, all sorts of, of vendors and tools are available to make sure that you have constant backups of key data files somewhere in a secure location over a secure connection. And if you've, you've got all that sorted and you don't have all your eggs in one basket, hey, that means that ever so tempting email clickbait promise of excitement that you would never click on. Yeah, you're not necessarily safe because, as I said, they're pretty clever. But if, if in the unlikely event something does happen to you, well, you're prepared. And you can just wipe off your computer, reload from your reliable backup, and flip the bird to those wannabe cyber villains. This has been the Codifier Podcast, Episode 2, all about ransomware. Please do check out our website, codifier.com. I always put the show notes in there, and I often expand on some of the more detailed elements of the podcast that I just don't have time to talk about. I've been your host, Steve Jaguer. Thanks for listening.